My name is Brent Lewis, and this is how I create. Welcome to This Is How We Create, a show that digs deeper into the creative life of contemporary artists of color. Discover what feeds their creativity and how they've found or are finding their artistic voice. Through these intimate and candid conversations, you'll gain insights into the lives of creative professionals of color that are hard to find anywhere else. Well, hello, dear listener. Welcome back to This Is How We Create. Today, we're spending time with Brent Lewis, a photo editor who's at the New York Times currently. During our time together, Brent talks about how he became a photojournalist and then what drew him to becoming a photo editor. We spend quite a bit of time talking about community building, how he goes about doing this, why he started Diversify Photo, a platform that gives voices and shines a light on underrepresented photographers. Enjoy the show. Hi, Brent. Welcome to the show. Hey, Martine, man. Thanks for having me so much. This is amazing. I'm geek. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because... Man, it's been so much fun. I mean, I've been keeping up with you and your career for several years now, but it is a lot of fun to have prepped for this interview. I've became I've become your stalker for the last few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I hope all good. I'm just I'm going back through right now. I was like, oh, hope she didn't see those uh, those Facebook messages from like oh eight. Oh god. <laughs> but yeah. Also, I was wondering who was popping up my LinkedIn. My LinkedIn was like, you have 60 people checking you out. What? Maybe it was me. Ah, I don't know. (laughs) Brent, I wanted to start out by asking, how does a young kid who used to work at Circuit City fall in love with photography? Wow, you have done your research. I don't know where that Circuit City bit's even at. So overall, um, it was a funny pursuit. When I was in high school, I wanted to be the black Bill Gates. I wanted to be the black Elon Musk. He wasn't a thing at that time, but like, I was like, I am going to be an engineer. I'm going to take over the world. I want to be the black Tony Stark. I want to make amazing stuff. But I always had this like love of photography in a way. It was kind of ingrained. So even back in my Circuit City days, I worked there because I really wanted a discount to buy a digital camera. My entire goal was like, all right, cool. They had this like Pentex. That was like $500. And being 17, 16, 17, like $500 was a lot of money. I mean, it's still a lot of money, but it was like it was a lot of money. Even with the discount, the camera's still like $400. So I never could do it because I was a terrible saver. <laughs> it was just like money come in, money go out. I was going to college at Northern Illinois University. So it was after my freshman year. My grandfather was always a photographer. He always carried around this old box camera. It wasn't nothing crazy. It was like film. He always used to carry this camera. So... My love of photography was there. I didn't realize the camera. I didn't think it was a thing. I was like, you can't make a career out of photography. That's insane. My cousin just bought a new house in the suburbs of Chicago. And my grandfather was there, and he took out this old big box camera that he always used to carry around. It's 2008. My granddad, you need to get a digital. You need to get your, get your, get your life together. You got to, you know, it's time to upgrade. So he gave it to me. And I did, I knew some research about cameras. Cause I was talking about the Pentax and looking at Canon, things like that. And so he gave me the camera. He's like, take it around to the front of your cousin's house and make a picture. So I go around to the front of the house and I had to pop the viewfinder up. I couldn't figure it out. So I finally popped it up and I looked over it and said Hasselblad. And my mind just exploded. Like, I'm talking about like 4th of July, fireworks going off. What is this I'm seeing? 
didn't even take a picture. Ran back because I grinned. I'm out of breath because it's like, you know, my freshman 15 kicked in. So I'm out of breath. Grinned. 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 I was like, Grinned, what is, you know, this is a Hasselblad, right? And he was like, yeah, I bought it. And I was like, Grinned, what is a black man from the South Side of Chicago doing with a Hasselblad? And then he just went into the entire story. He's like, I love photography. I'm running around. So I'm, I'm coming back to Grinded. And he's, he's telling me the story. He's like, I really, you know, I wanted to be a photographer. I really love making pictures. So he kind of took me down. He showed me some slides and things that he did on like trips and things like that. And he was like, yeah, I used to be a wedding photographer, photographing weddings for friends and family members and stuff like that. Uh, he actually even did my mom's like school pictures when he was crazy. And, you know, he was just telling me about like how he bought the house of blood. Years later, we had another conversation. He was like, I really wanted to be like a sports photographer. I thought that was just absolutely insane. But he's like, you know, you can make your life career at that. I didn't think about looking like me at newspapers. I didn't think that was a thing. I have two kids. I can't like, you know, live off that. I was just amazed. I was like, wow, this is absolutely insane. And it got me to like kind of go full in on it. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really enjoying making pictures. And he gave me his, so right around college, it was right after the whole Hasselblad experience. I was cool. I was learning about everything. And he gave me his notes to SR7 to take with me back to Northern Illinois University. And I was like, oh, yeah, great. I can go off and make some pictures. It was funny. Years later, I found out. I mean, years later, months later, I found out I had like a broken shutter and really couldn't close the aperture too much. But it was hands down like the camera that was, I want to say it was a gateway drug. I just made pictures and I experimented and I played with things. Uh, it has to be like probably like week three of school. And all that jazz, uh, there was the newspapers, the Northern Star College newspaper was hiring. So after playing with the camera for a while, I ran to the photographer for the campus, uh, the Northern Illinois University photographer. I was like, oh, I'm going to do what you're doing. He's like, well, you can't do what I'm doing, kid. You got to have a degree. But you should look into the Northern Star. So I looked at the Northern Star newspaper. Lucky enough, a lot of things came into alignment for this one. So I went over there. I didn't have a portfolio. Never really used the camera. All I have was stuff that was like probably over and under exposed from Grandes Minota. Nothing too crazy. Went in and the photo editor was just like, hey, you know, it pays like, I think we're like $15 for a picture that runs in the paper. And he was like, all right, give you a trial. So go out, find me a feature photo. Once again, no idea what a feature photo was. He had explained it to me. So I went out, made some photos, and he was like, all right, kid, you know what? Take a shot uh let's let's see how you do honestly from that moment on it was it was game over i was just i was sucked in it just it was non-stop because i was in the beginning of the semester i was going like you know c plus plus and physics classes and would like make one picture in the paper but you know i was like all right cool i'm trying to get this lifestyle i see my my name in the newspaper i mean these photos i'm making um and so it just flips i was like 90 percent going to class 10 percent photographing and by the middle of the year it was like 85 percent <laughs> making pictures for the paper and like 15 percent going to class it was really really bad i hope my mom doesn't hear this but um and i just i just fell in love with it and i just learned and grew and started playing with different cameras and lenses learning about 17200 um and at that point talking to like photographers i remember i reached out to like scott Trasani at the time i was doing research like on Gordon Park because I was like who else looks like me that's done this because uh, you know it wasn't apparent it wasn't easily seen at the time so I ran to work up uh, Gordon Park Eli Reed the amazing and brilliant John H. White and so I'm just like taking all of this in I was like no this is what 
I think this is what I want to do. And it didn't really occur to me because I still wanted to become the Black Tony Stark because, you know, I don't want to go back, you know, work some dead-end remedial job because I didn't think you can make a job out of journalism, especially not photojournalism. It was this one night that I, I guess this was like my first big story in a way. Okay, so it was the housing, not the housing authority, but yeah, yeah, res- residential housing authority or whatever it is when you're a college campus. Somebody was embezzling money. It was like ten thousand dollars. This this lady, it was went MIA, quote unquote. So I went over there. I got I got the call. Like, Brent, go to RHA, get the photos of what's going on during the meeting, and we're gonna send a report with you. And send Dave Thomas with you. He's gonna go. He's gonna report. So we got there. Really excited. I'm really pumped. Got to the door and he's like, whoa, you can't come in here. Like, we can only come in if you're resident campus housing. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm a campus housing uh, resident. I live in Lincoln. So they're like, all right, cool. You can come in, but you can't take any pictures until it's over. You can take it in the beginning, but when it's in session, you can't take any pictures. I was like, all right, cool. But the reporter, Dave, was just, he didn't, he, he lived off campus. So, like, well, Dave, you can't come in. And so Dave was like, oh, Brent, man, okay, we'll just take this notepad, just get whatever notes you can get. So I'm sitting there in the meeting, like taking notes, jotting down what's going on, you know, who's the parties, getting as much information as I possibly can to pass off the day when we're done. Couldn't take any pictures. So they kind of, they're getting ready to gavel it out. They're getting ready to close it out. The, the lady, they took the vote. She got off, whatever. So I got my camera and I had it. And then they gaveled it out and it was done. I went up, I like made, and the, little, the woman who was accused looked directly at me. Boom. Got the shot. Got the photo. And then got a photo of the guy that was kind of like leading the charge against him and all that jazz and like ran back to the Northern Star. I was like, huh, I was looking. Much like, you know, in the original with my grandfather in Hasselblad, it was just a little bit of a further, further run. So I'm going to guess I walked somewhere in between there. Got back to the newsroom, popped the card in. I'm talking to the designers like, okay, we're going to need this space. I'm going to need like a, a five columns of this. This photo is great. Get in there and put the paper together. Dave's writing off my notes. It was just one of the most amazing, thrilling, adrenaline rush I've ever experienced. And I remember seeing the front page on the screen and realizing like I was a part of making something great happen. And it was just, it was just phenomenal. It was a very long day, but we did that. I did this. I created this. I remember walking out of the newsroom, walking across the street back to my dorm. And doing that like pursuit of happiness clap when like you know Will Smith's like walking across the street, uh, right after he gets the job, and he starts like that really high, that high clap. That was me. I was doing that by myself, literally at probably twelve thirty in the middle of a deserted college town. But I was fine with that. From that point on, I was like, I I have to do this. This is what I have to do if I'm going to live my life on ramen noodles, much like all the journalists and movies, I'm fine with that. I'm completely good. This is the life I want to live. So in that point, I'm kind of sold. Wow. I can just imagine it. I mean, you're such a great storyteller. It seems not only are you a good storyteller, but you're really attentive because we all know that when you are going to make a picture, you have to be ready, right? You have mm-hmm. to be ready for that picture. Were you, when you were in that courtroom, I'm assuming you had all of your settings ready and you were just looking mm-hmm. in one way or another to, to get, to take a shot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, cause I, I went in, I tested the room. I'm like watching it, but they were like, every time I picked up my camera, they were like, yo, you can't make any pictures. And I was like, I'm not making any pictures, but everything was set up. 
And so it really was just a wait and watch. And, you know, it's a little bit of luck and there's a lot of skill packing to that. Like she didn't have to look my way, but I don't think she knew exactly where I was. Also, I probably just made like a really quick motion, but it really was just being in that perfect place at that perfect time and just being properly prepared to, you know, take it to the next level to achieve the goal that you set out to do. You know, if you want to compare it to like basketball, LeBron didn't just show up on game day. LeBron's working for weeks. He's perfecting this game. He's working on his shot. And so that's the same way. So I just went into it prepared and just made the picture that that mattered to that event. My husband has this saying that you have to be ready to be ready. And that Mm -hmm. sounds exactly what you you were doing. So I'm also interested in what did you learn about yourself through this experience? Because you had this one idea about you and about your life and what you're going to do. You're going to be the next, the black Elon Musk, the black Bill Gates, and you fell in love with photography through your granddad. As you started that journey, can you share some of the things that you are learning about yourself? For me, what I kind of learned was just the that wonder like I always had that that wonder that imagination that that want to know more and so that really came out like that wanting to create that want to that wanting to make change to be part of the story to take something to that next level and I think that really started to like resonate and I'm just I'm just a curious person I think I didn't realize how curious I was until I got that. And I'm, you know, some, I think at that time we were calling it nosy, but now it's curious. It's fine. We're adults now. But I really just, I just wanted to know. I wanted to know the world around me. I wanted, the camera gave me this ability, this passport in a way, to just walk up to random people and start up conversations. And growing up, I was definitely like one of those shy, more timid kids. And so this was my, I don't want to call it a confidence factor, but this was my excuse to be like, hey, how are you doing? I'm Brent Lewis. I work for the Northern Star newspaper, campus paper here, and I want to know what you're up or to just go to events. I think it began as like an excuse to go to events, but I'm like fully able to experience these and pass along. So for me, it was just understanding that like I can create something. I can witness events that are taking place. I don't have to be the person on the back end or the end user or the reader to experience these moments. I can be there. And that for me was something special something unique that i get to go places where others don't and get to tell these stories and get my curiosity out and just really begin to talk to folks that i wouldn't usually speak with you would have no excuse like you'd be crazy if you just walked down the street and was like hey how you doing i'm brent and just some fighting on the bus they're like oh all right hi like i'd like to know about your story that's insane but with this camera on my shoulder i can sit down like hey what's going on my name's brent lewis I work at XYZ. I'm doing a story about this neighborhood. I want to know your life. I want to know what's going on. What should I know about this? And people open up to that. And that that's beautiful. That is amazing. And I honestly it's something I've never to this day taken for granted. Just the comfortability and the openness of people to tell their stories. And I'm honored every day to be able to do just that. I love what you've just said, particularly being able to just walk to anybody to ask about their story. And, you know, 95% of the time people will tell you their story. It's unlikely that people will be will tell you, get away from me. <laughs> and technically, you started doing that, but in a different way when you became a photo editor. And so you went along and in Denver, you were in Rockford. 
And then you were, um, what started it all from what I understand was when you went to ESPN to become a photo editor. Yeah. So can you tell me a bit about that story? All right, great. So yeah, it was, okay, this is like 2016, like right around when my son was born. I live after my son was born. So I was a photographer at the Denver Post at that time. And I was like, this is amazing. It's, it's the world's best paper. I don't care what you have to say. Uh, I'm in this lineage of just, I'm hanging out with the greats, people I, I never even imagined just breaking bread with. I'm talking about, what, three Pulitzers in five years. Absolutely insane staff. Just some of the most amazing people you can be around. And underneath the director of photography, Tim Rasmussen, who I owe so much of what I'm able to accomplish now too. Uh, I'd say, that, you know, he, he gave me a shot and it's paid off. And he's probably someone right now like, yep, yeah, I'm a genius. I got this. And that'd be end of 2015. Tim actually left and went over to ESPN. And so in the beginning of 2016, uh, they were starting to launch this website called The Undefeated, which was all about the intersection of sports, race, and culture. And so for me, I, I am Black. I like Black things. My entire life is about doing stories about Black folks because I feel like we were not in the conversation. We were not seen in the conversation enough. I get this call from Tim and he's like, hey, I got this job opening for a photo editor over at The Undefeated and I think you should do it. And I was like, Tim, I'm not, I'm not a photo editor. Tim, I don't know. I, I can't, I don't eat caviar at my desk by the I'm out in the street. I don't do the people, Tim. I'm trying to tell those stories. And he's like, first off, we don't eat caviar. Second off, you, you know that's not how it works. I think you'd be great for it. And also, you're probably still be able to make some pictures. You can probably go out. It's probably like 60, 40. You're still going to have to. It's a complete lie, by the way. I'm going to go I'm gonna go fast forward just to hear. It's a complete lie. It was definitely not 60, 40. It's much more like 90, 10. But anyway, I was like, cool. You know what? It's a platform and a publication that completely aligns with what I want to do and the stories I like to tell. So let's do it. I wasn't a huge sports fan. Like after Jordan retired, I was like, we're done. Sports is over. We're good here. So I kind of jumped into LF, making pictures and became a photo editor. And that was, that was a lot. It was, it, honestly, it was a lot of trial by fire because at the undefeated, I was solo. That was me by myself living, living the life and putting this all together. So I was really just taking in information and nuggets from other photos, like photo editors I've seen work, and just understanding how to work with photographers based on the photo editors I've had in the past, which luckily enough, I had a slew of amazing photo editors. So they really set I the ground for the groundwork for everything I've done, just because I've been learning from those experiences. And I know what I needed as a photographer to achieve whatever it was I was trying to achieve. And I was trying to go out and make the best pictures, tell the best story. I know that I needed that encouragement. I know that I needed that push. And I know what doors I need open before, um, I know what doors I need open to achieve that. And so it made the transition a lot smoother from that angle. When it came to the idea of like missing, making pictures, it hit. I don't think it wasn't the idea, like, let me just go back to that. Uh, what we talked about earlier wasn't the idea of like missing making pictures. For me, it was really about missing being with people who I didn't have an excuse not to meet. Um, that excuse wasn't there anymore. I just, you know, if I maybe I hop on the phone with someone we're trying to photograph or something like that. But the idea of like going out into the streets and meeting folks and talking to them, that was missed. I remember it had to be like week one or week two. I remember being in a newsroom. It was just, it wasn't like so sucking. 
But it was like a moment when like everyone was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna really go to the Poconos, the Berkshires for the weekend, and then all this jazz. I'm like, people are dying out here in these streets. We need to be doing some amazing stories. What are, what are y'all doing? What are, we, what are we doing here? And so I remember just like leaving the office and just walking down K Street. Came across this guy. He was like begging for, for change. I like cars. He would go out and beg for change. And I was... I was like, hey, how you doing? You know, what's going on? We just sparked up a conversation and lasted about an hour. Learned about his life. Learned that, that he's like living with his sister. And she wanted to like kick him out this morning, but she'll come back around later. And then like this whole situation he had going on with the cop that was at the end of the street. So she wouldn't harass him. But like he had to give her like a dollar every now and then. Like every few hours he had to throw her a buck. It was this wild story. But like I was just very happy to hear a story that didn't sound like a story or experience that like I was living um, around these folks, you know, who all had different backgrounds, but also like lived in this world where they're having this shared experience for a while. And I just wanted something different. I just wanted to feel, I want to say real, but I just wanted to get something that wasn't this because I was used to that. Like I never should know your days as a photographer were the same for me. I was always meeting someone different whether they're extremely rich or at the end of the luck, like I was having these experiences. So I was going out that. It got better. I spent a lot more time in the work and I was able to like find them and talk to, talk to people and just kind of got settled with that. And really spent my time talking with photographers a lot more and the people that were trying to photograph, things like that. But it was tough at first. It was definitely tough at first. Oh, also, you know, being that I still like to say I'm, I was pretty young. I was like 25 when I got to the undefeated. You know, it's kind of weird to be calling up some of the some of the goats, some of the like legends, people that you just are amazing photographers, and be like, "Hey, what's going on?" So, I get this little shop inside this really big shop inside the one of the largest corporations. And uh, I like to take this assignment. You probably don't know me, but I love you. Please don't say no. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a nice hurdle to come over, to get over finally, just mentally, because honestly, when you're working with photographers, it's a collaborative. Also, I'm putting money in their pockets. They're getting to work on amazing stories. I get to hang out with some greats. So it wound up being like this really huge win-win at the end of the day. And it's just a, a feeling I can't, I can't beat. I can't, I just love. I can't believe it that you became a photo editor at mm-hmm. the age of 25, you said? Do you know why you were encouraged to apply and why you think that there was something in you that would make you so good at this job? Because I'm sure that wasn't what you, you expected oh, no, that you would be doing, right? Not on my radar. To me, like a photo editor, I'm still with the job title was, it was something that like a photographer like aged into or decided to do after like 20 years in game, 30 years in game. We were going photo editor. That's what I was assuming you do. And you sit back and eat caviar um, while the photographers go through fires and hailstorms and frigid cold and things like that. It wasn't my radar something I wanted to do, but for me, I think it was one of those situations that people well beyond my years saw that a there was not as many voices that looked like me in these rooms Uh, i think that was a huge one i think also just that compassion and that drive and that energy and my kind of infectious nature in a way when it comes to hyping folks up i call people i am your 
Coder Flavor Flav. Like, I will hype you up. Before you go out on this assignment, you are going to imagine that you're going to make a Pulitzer. It could be a photo of a dog, but it's going to be the best photo of a dog that anyone's ever taken. And so I feel like that was part of what really, you know, allowed people to see something that I didn't see myself. I didn't understand the qualities that were needed. And just kind of thinking things out. Like, I am a person that sits down, I'm going to flush it out, I'm going to see what the best way to tell a story might be uh, as a photographer. Maybe couldn't execute those those things myself always, but I knew how to tell a great story. I understood what it was to tell a great story. I understood what it was to work with photographers to push them to tell that great story. And also, I knew what was missing. I knew what was missing to get the storytelling and overall just understanding the world to that place. And I think people above my years saw that and was like, this this could be great. It is true. Being able to tell a story, both I mean, when you write one, but also through photos, it just really, it's one of those things that you can tell when someone does it well, because there's that emotion mm-hmm. that they ignite in you in one way or another. Yep. They pull at those strings oh, yeah. and when they don't, it's flat. It's just, it's so, there's that thing. That- yeah, you can, you can, you can tell it almost immediately. Like when you look at, I look at some people's work, I'm like you did this work because you saw this work done somewhere else. And then you see a photographer who will send you some photos, something like that or send you to work and you're like, you did this because you gave a damn. Like you cared about this story or this is some attachment to you. Like you're in this. You might not know that you're in this. I know we're trying to be objective and not part of the story, but like you're in this story. Mm. I just wanted to pause and take (laughs) that in for a minute. You're in this story. That's good. (laughs) Well, one of the things that I came across was a line, um, an an African proverb that you mentioned in one of the presentations that you gave. So it was, until lions find their storytellers, stories about hunting will always glorify the hunters. And I wanted to really talk to you a little bit about this because in terms of working working at the undefeated and then going into the New York times and then starting diversify photo means that you took a giant leap to making sure that the job that you were doing and the people you were recruiting to tell stories were a lot more nuanced because those stories, it seems that you wanted to be told were coming from that young boy who had taken that photo in that courtroom and was Mm. running and it seems like you wanted that excitement and you wanted different point of views I'd love for you to talk about how all of that kind of manifested in terms of how you choose and recruit photographers for for your stories it's a big question (laughs) apologies No, no, that's that's good. And I'm also just taking in that idea that, like, I never looked at it that way. It's like, I instilled that boy running down that street with that card in my hand, waiting for the, trying to get back to the paper. That I never thought about it like that. That's, yeah, I'm going to listen to this part over and over again to let you know. Uh, so if, you're, if your feed somehow jumps, you're like, how do I have a thousand extra listens? It was all me. When it comes to the idea of, like, people I'm working with, luckily enough, I started my photo editing career at the, at the Undefeated. That was probably one of the biggest opportunities I've had and I'm very happy that I started it there. It was a little more lackadaisical than like the, the New York Times and Washington Post when it comes to bringing folks in but I was able to really 
work with the people that I wanted to work with. And so for me, it was really about, I want to work with friends. I think that's my, my favorite thing. And so that was one big thing. But next up was the idea that I wanted to make The Undefeated, this publication that was, we had to be like 95% Black staff. Like I think Mike Wise, I'm forgetting one other person, was like the only two white people in the room, overwhelmingly Black. And I wanted to make sure that, and we're telling stories about nothing Black folks at the time. So I wanted to see if I could turn this into like, the 2016, 2017 version of Ebony and Jet. Like, we're about to reinvent Johnson Publishing Company. We're here. For me, it was like mainly making sure that I'm, I'm finding the best black photographers that are out there. And so I, I had my list. I have people I work with. Anthony Geeters, who's my man. We've been, that's my man for the grand bit forever. David Delgado, once again, like, you know, my, my brother from the Bronx. Oriana Coran, ooh, they are just phenomenal. And I, I love them to death. I was just looking at some weddings we did way back in the States. But they're based in L.A. If you see what you see, where I'm going after here right now is that like it's either like New York or LA, and it's bringing some folks in Chicago. For me, I was like I I'm doing a lot of we were doing a lot of stories in the South at that time. I know many people in the South, so I was always asking on like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like who know who do you know that's out there? Who do you know who's in these areas? And you know I'll get back some some brothers and sisters every now and then, but like always, kind of warmly, it was like, what? If I'm going to make an Ebony and Jet 2016, I want to work with nothing amazing black photographers, highlight black photographers selling black stories, and giving it to a black audience. Like that's amazing. That's brilliant. I'm missing the black photographers, and so I started like cultivating names. I'm uh, I had my original list of like 25, 30. Reached out to most photographers. That list grew up to like 57. And I was like, this is cool. And I was talking with uh, Denise Keene at that time, who is dog mentor, auntie Denise. Like, I don't know, again, person I call just like this. Right now I'm in a closet. And this is why we're called Denise. And I'll be like, Denise, these folks are following Denise. I don't know, do Denise. So I was talking to Denise. And we we're just kind of in gym as well. And we we're just talking about like, oh, man, this is going to be an amazing tool. I think other photo editors will love something like this so they can actually have a list of people to go to. For me, I was also shocked that it didn't exist already. And so it was really just reaching out to folks and growing the list even more. And then I got with Andrea Wise and we were like, let's just open this up to people of color exclusively, but diversify. And we did just that. So we opened up the Google form, got 1,500 applicants. I was just shocked from across the U.S. And it was just mind boggling because I went from a list of like 48, 50 thinking that I got all of them. I got everybody. I'm good. This is like the best we're going to get right here. And that was just, that was just black. So we opened up some more and probably get to a hundred, but to get to 1500, I was like, wow, I'm missing so many. And so one of the things that kind of took place with that, we went through and I looked through every person's work myself, Andrea Wise, Jahan Jillian, who's over in Nigeria, Jennifer Samuel, who's over in Nigeria at the time, uh, Elijah Sinclair Walker, who's over in Nigeria, like all of the folks are over in Nigeria. They're across the street from so this kind of happened. And then Jesse Winder went through all 1,500, and we whittled that, this, that list down to like 300 photographers from around the U.S. that identified as a person of color. And that's how we launched Diversify. But what also ensued was that I'm familiar with people's work and I know these folks and I've talked with so many, especially that version of 300, where like I'm with a thousand right now. So I have not been the world's best of like reaching out to everyone, but I've seen everyone's work. So I'm like semi-familiar, but that original 300, like I knew them. They were basically cousins at that point. 
and I've just known the work and I've seen it and I've spent time with it. And I've actually had to go through everyone's website numerous times to build the first generation. But what that's also has done, it's allowed me to build these connections and going back and forth and getting to know people from A, their work, but also getting to know people outside. Like I was talking with Michael Stargo out in Houston. I don't think we talked about pictures at all. I was just like, Mike, man, what's going on? We were talking about kids and parenting. And that is honestly what, you know, I feel like goes much so further. And sometimes just talking to folks like we're human beings, like I'm not, you know, on the way up. Or, you know, I can definitely open doors for you. I'm totally up to that. But like, you know, getting to know people as human beings, getting to know me as a person. I'm like, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a brother who really likes HGTV and things like that. So that really goes far, but it really helps to build that community even denser and thicker than just on the surface level, like, oh, you're great photographer, you great, do great work, you can probably tell the story. I know you can tell these stories. I trust in you. And outside of that, I'm putting effort into you because I see that you have that potential, that you're going to do amazing things. And it goes beyond like this work relationship. And I'm friends with you. We're buddy, buddy. We're beyond, or at least to the point where we're cordial. And I know that you're going to continue to do great things. And that's what I'm always looking for. And for me, just like, someone saw potential in me to become a photo editor. That's what I'm always on the lookout for. I want to find who's the young, hot thing before they become that. I mean, I'm thinking of uh, one of my favorite human beings, Sophia Allison, who is an amazing photographer, but apparently she's also, she's much more of an amazing videographer and director because she just got off the red carpet for Oscars. She was Oscar nominated. It's amazing. Met her in college. Came back. I'm most thinking of like Miranda Barnes, who I, who is my heart. I adore her. I love her death. I was able to give her a first time. I met her at the New York, New York Polo Review one year, and she just walked up to me, giddy, happy, full of energy, full of life, and was just like, I think I need to meet you. I need to know who you are. And from that point on, we just, it's just been nonstop. And so I gave her a first assignment, we went back over it. And I knew that like investing in Miranda was going to be an investment that was going to go far, that she had that energy, she had that drive, she had that effort that she wanted to put in and doing amazing work. And so, you know, I can't really call Miranda now. She's kind of busy. I called her at one time. She said she had to go to uh, China for time, but she be back in like a month and she can give me then. But I, I love her to death. And at some point when we get a bigger budget, I can call her up for it. But, you know, the same thing. Like, I'm even add another one to it while we're just going. Alexis Hunley out in LA. Once again, same situation. We literally talked, we didn't talk about photography. She came in, she sat down, and we were talking about housing issues. And for me, um, housing issues is another huge thing for me. So we talked about that for, I want to say, probably like an hour, like 30, 45 minutes. And at some point, I was like, oh, you want to look at photos? Like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess she did come here to talk about photos. We should probably talk about photos. That'd be cool. And, and she also talked about wanting to do better portrait work. So if I have an amazing portrait in LA, call her for Lexus. If it's anything in that realm, like I know we've had this conversation we're on the same page. I know her now. I'm calling her for Lexus because I think she's going to do some really dope work. And once again, like, I'm investing that time and energy in the people that have that potential. And Lexus is, you know, brilliant. And there's a lot of these photographers who maybe a lot of folks didn't know beforehand. I'm not going to say diversify, like uplift their work, but our household names now. And so for me personally, like I like to get on, on that ground level. I want to take that interest in someone the way Tim Rasmussen took interest in me, the way John H. White took interest in me, the way that Brian Jackson took interest in me the way that Scott Trezani took interest in me. Alex Garcia took interest in me. Um, I want to be that for that next generation. Because, like, right now, you know, I like to give people their roses while they're around. So, you know, you and I have been on threads before. 
And I'm like, you know, I got to give a shout out to Alex. And I got to give a shout out to Carlos Javier Ortiz, you know, because y'all some big brothers to me. It's been there forever. And, you know, I don't think you one of them expected me to wind up here because I know I didn't. But they saw potential. And that's what really, for me, it's all about. I want to help create and craft and drive and push people people to not only see themselves becoming better photographers, but just make work that they care about, make work that they're passionate about, and make a career. Dang. Where do I start? <laughs> okay, here we go. So Alex Garcia was talking about you way back when he was at the Chicago Tribune. You were an intern, right? And then here you are. Look at look at you now. I wanted to talk about several things. Uh, one, you like HDTV. Have you started to watch 50K Renovations with Tiffany Brooks? Yeah, it's on my it's on my queue because I got Discovery Plus now, so it's it's going. I gotta go down a rabbit hole. I'm just oh, it's so good. I keep waiting for more. She's just like she's amazing. So you gotta watch that 50k three ways. Um, okay, don't tell me that though, because I, I just spent like forty thousand on this kitchen renovation, and so if I see I can oh, get so much more with fifty, I'm gonna be highly upset. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. We just did a renovation as well. And the other thing I wanted to say is I can imagine you in a room. I can imagine you like working that room and chatting with a lot of different people. And then the other thing that occurred to me is maybe you're not that kind of person. Maybe you are as virtue of not only your personality, but also your job. You have to get to know people. You have to get not only get to know people, but you have to know what are their limits? What can they do? Where do they shine? And how you can kind of buff them up to shine the way you want them to shine. Mm. Is it a personality? Is it the job? Or is it both? Or is it something else? It's a bit of both, honestly. When I'm in the house, I'm um, I'm totally introverted. Like, I was like, oh, I'm completely shut down. But, like, you put me in a room for photographers that are passionate about what they're doing, I, I become introverted almost immediately. I'm, I'm shaking hands. I'm kissing babies. Like, I could be a politician, but just a photographer. It's really a bit of both. It is part of my job. That, that's what I love to do. It's also, I really want folks to shine. I want people to be out here creating the work that they want to create. And I want them to see that they can achieve whatever it is they want to achieve. Because, you know, I grew up looking around, I mean, I grew up, but like I came into this industry looking around, not seeing folks that look like me. And I want to make sure no one else has that experience. I want people to be able to find a spot where they can go to. And I want them to see that, you know, someone that looks like them works at the New York Times. Someone that looks like them works at the Washington Post or wherever it might be. And so for me, I like, I love talking with folks, inspiring folks, getting people encouraged because i remember when i came into this industry it was like oh seven oh eight like the bottom was falling out like everything and everyone was like oh my god and she's over oh journalism is dead we're all gonna be poor and impoverished no one's gonna make any pictures they're gonna do all this the what was it oh my god it was the video cameras were gonna replace steels and they're just gonna pull steels from video cameras because the quality was just getting that good I was like, oh my god oh my god this is this is over this is over and so i i don't want people to have that experience because Lo and behold, it's not over. I started to look off the Gazette, and I'm at the New York Times, and it's only been like, what, five years? Six years? I think it's six years, six, six to get here. So apparently it's not over. The, the, the sky is not falling. We're good. It's gotten a little tighter, definitely with the smaller papers, but as the great Steve List 
told me in class years ago, someone's going to have to take the pictures. Why not you? And that just blew my mind. And I was like, oh, that is a good point. Someone is going to have to take the pictures. And so, me, I don't want you to ever leave an experience with me feeling down and out. I don't want you to ever leave an experience with me not hyped up, not encouraged that you're going to go out and make amazing work. Um, if it's even a portfolio review, I might come down on some of your work and be like, you can do this better, but you're going to walk out like that was the most amazing experience and I can't achieve that. I see my flaws and see what those iffies part were, but I'm good. I'm on that right path. I'm heading in that right direction because honestly, that's what so much of us need. We need that encouragement. And so that's what I'm, I'm always trying to dole out. Even, you know, when we're talking about, I remember we're talking with a few photo editors talking about their work and their hiring situation. You know, they weren't doing the world's best when it came to race and gender. And it's been like, yo, I understand where you're coming from. I get it. Believe me, I've been there. You ever try to hire a black photographer in Northern Florida? It's impossible. You know, and just it's resonating. But at the end of the day, like, I'm leaving them with the encouragement, like, yo, but you can do this. Tools are here. Resources are here. I'm here. If you need me, call me. It might take me. If you call me, I get back to you. I'm answer the phone because you're my people's. But if you text me, it might take a minute. If you email me, it's going to take even longer minute. But I'll get back to you. Because that's what we really need. I feel like this industry has been through so much. People of color, we've been through so much. And so just having that energy and just seeing someone that's like energetic and passionate about it and ready to go, it's just part of it. And really just, I feel like, adds that layer of motivation that people need, people want. It's so true. And I, I reckon that's the way that one cultivates relationships, right? When you to be what they need and to actually give them what they want at the same time, which, which takes skills and it takes, uh, it takes time, but I'm glad that you do that really well in service of making sure that folks of color are, are becoming the storytellers. Um, they're telling their own stories and not glorifying the hunters as much. Exactly. I wanted to, at this point, talk about how you came to keep track of the people you hired. And I know that you do this by gender, by race. And it seems like you somehow managed to get a whole bunch of folks to start doing that across <laughs> across the board. Can you tell me about how that started and how you got everybody on board to keeping track and to keeping themselves accountable? Okay, definitely, Martin. Uh, so, I mean, what really started, I was some good friends with Daniela Zoffman. And so, like, women photographs does their, like, their tally of their covers of newspapers and things like that, who hired women, who didn't hire women. You know, you see those results. I remember talking with photo editors and just been like, yo, you know, you got to watch your hiring. People are like, well, you know, I think I hire well. I think I hire all right. Or, you know, I hired this person last week. Or I hired a black person like a month ago or something like that. So what I realized, like, over time is just, like, folks, it's all kind of anecdotal um, in a way. And people don't really know their numbers. They don't know their figures. They don't know exactly what their hiring rate is because you can't really make change. You can't improve. Um, if you don't know, like, you know, if I go to a basketball court and I'm just, I don't know how many, I, how many shots I took, I'm not keeping track. I'm just throwing a ball up. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. I think I did, I did like a really good job. Like, I mean, went in. I have no idea, but I threw the ball. And it was like, yeah, that's, that's not going to help you in any way, shape or fashion. That doesn't make any sense. And so for me, it was really having those numbers. So my original one was just a breakdown between like men, women, 
people of color, and then broke that down even further, men of color, women of color. Boom. Really simple. Because I can't be out here preaching to folks being like, yo, you need to hire more diversely. And I don't know my own numbers. I don't know my own stats. Um, and even then, like, popped up, you know, I had blind spots. I shared that first one public. Like, these are these are the numbers of people that I hired. Was it where I wanted to be? No. If you would ask me before I wrote that down, I'd be like, oh, totally hiring like a bunch of people of color. Like, it's a bunch. I'm, talking, I'm doing crazy numbers with black folks. I wasn't. I was not at all doing crazy numbers for black folks. It was quite sad. But it, it gave me an area to aim for. It gave me a point where I can be like, okay, that's where improvement is. So if it was that 50, getting that 50% mark, I knew that's where my improvement was. It's getting to that 80% mark, that's where it was. I know I, I'm setting the bar and I can reach for that. I can get there. What they did was like, you know, make the work that we're doing as photo editors transparent. Because it's honestly done in a hidden layer behind a veil that no one can see. So I wanted to get more transparent with that. And so what really happened was it kind of took off and people were looking around like, oh, that does make kind of good sense. And so other photo, photo editors saw the tweets that I was pushing out and they too were tracking. They put that information out there um, and it just kind of kept growing and growing. And so I wound up like formulating uh, a Google spreadsheet. Shout out to Google. I do a lot. <laughs> uh, I've given them a lot of praise in the past. We just work together. But, you know, they're platform and allowed me to do some great initiatives and so formulated a spreadsheet put that out and it's really easy and you can track men women people of color men of color women of color for me also uh, my goal is like more black women i want to work with as many black women as i possibly can and that's black women x just across that that spectrum and i want to and because that's the area that i feel like you know we need the most growth in we also need more black women in front of the or behind the camera we need more black women behind the behind the person with the camera. And so this is that way of, of doing that, keeping track of how I'm doing that and getting better and seeing that. And I put that spreadsheet out to folks and I actually customized a few less than empty spaces. Nicole Fujay out in San Francisco, uh, DLP of the Chronicle, like did it for her entire staff, which was phenomenal. And one of her looks is like LGBTQ, just because a lot of that area makes it San Francisco. She wants to make sure that she's hiring that and she's working with those photographers more and that the big assignments aren't getting thrown to whoever it is or the white man on staff, whatever it is, to make sure that they're being evenly spread across the board. And that's phenomenal. That's how we get there. And seeing those numbers helps us get there. We know we can achieve it. We're no longer just sitting in the dark, in the dark you know, gym throwing up shots and just you know, guessing we're doing pretty well, like, no, the lights are on now and we're fully viewing and we're attentive and someone's on the side with us with a with a with a check mark and say, like, ah, one shot, two shots, three shots, okay, you hit that one, you hit that one, you missed that one, you hit that one. So we can see where that goal is. We can see where that achievement is and what that looks like. And so it's one of those ways that like we're able to pull that off with that. It's really something extremely simple, but it's proved to be kind of powerful. I'm really excited about that. It is very powerful. I think I was thinking back about what you were saying about how you want it to be the Black Elon Musk and the Bill Bill Gates. Essentially, those people, they are change makers. They see how society is and they see they want to mold society in a different way. And I think you're doing that, certainly not through engineering or through <laughs> the way that you anticipated, but I mean, you started Diversify Photo before 
the U.S. had an eye on diversity, you know, before, I mean, in terms of like everyone really paying attention to it and, and, and keeping track and you started keeping people accountable way before. I think it's just, it's really brilliant, the work that you, you're doing and um, how you're changing people's lives, but certainly not in the scale, I think, that you originally thought you would if you were to become an engineer, a big shot engineer, yeah. but certainly through the little ways that indeed ricochet out so that the world mm. ends up seeing everyone else in different ways, too. It's a beautiful thing you're doing here, Brent. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm just my goal is just to make sure, you know, people like yourself um, and that next young kid that comes up that wants to find their way into it as a place and can you know get that work out and you seen the way that they need to be seen like we are here creating you know we are extremely creative people and we weren't given those opportunities so you know whatever we need to get that leg up in the room we just gotta make it happen so i'm just happy that i could be part of craft well, I am so pleased that you've been able to join us. And as we wind down, one of the questions I have for you, since we've been listening to your voice for a little bit, I, I know that your voice is one thing, but in terms of you, the person, the father, the husband, um, you're, you're different. So can you tell us one thing we wouldn't know about you by just listening to your voice? Ooh, that's a good one. Um... Hmm. What is one thing you would not know about me by listening to my voice? Um, I you know that's not good. I was gonna say I'm like average height because people like really meet me and they're like kind of slightly disappointed. Like you can tell, you can tell they're like, oh, I thought you was like you know much taller than that. Like no, I'm 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 five six. I mean, my doctor actually said I'm like five five, but like I wear I wear like slightly taller sole shoes for that purpose. <laughs> but um i mean i think overall like when it comes to something you wouldn't know about me is that i i know you can hear that i feel like you can hear that like i care i'm compassionate um you know what i'm gonna get real martin we, we, we've had a very real conversation and um i'm i'm, I'm keeping 100 with you so for me it's that from listening to my voice you can't Share that sometimes, you know, I'm, I don't know. I was, I was going to say, like, is it, I wouldn't say afraid. I wouldn't say insecure, but I would say that, like, I have, I have moments of doubt. I have moments when I don't know if everything I'm creating and doing and challenging is always the best way to go about it. And so, but you can't hear my voice. You hear a very like confident young man. Well, I don't know. When do you stop being a young man? I have no idea. I feel like around the first kid, you stop being a young man. It's like, you know, kid too. Like, I feel like my, my knees are going out. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's, it's one of those situations that like, I don't, I don't have all the answers. And nor do I want to be viewed as though I have all the answers. I think all the work with Diversify, all the work that I've been doing, creating diversity and opening doors, I don't know if these are the 100% answers. I don't know if this is something that we're going to look back on in five or 10 years and be like, yo, that was a terrible idea. I don't know. So it's always 
as confident that I am in creating these platforms, I think, you know, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen next and where we're going to grow and where we're going to change and how things are going to blossom over the next, you know, few years. Mm. Do you stop and think about diversify or the work that you're doing as part of your legacy in some way or another? I really, that's a, that's a really good question. Cause I've heard that from many people like, Oh, Brent, man, you go, what you and Andrew created. And that's, that's legendary. It's going to be, it's going to be part of your legacy. It's going to be there forever. You're changing the, you're changing the world. You know, I mean, guess if you want to go that far, you can go very, very macro. I'm like you're changing the world because the storytellers and photographers doing that. So I think it is, it's going to most likely be in my obit at some point. I'm sorry, I spent a few days doing obits for the New York Times. So I'm like, I was thinking about what's going to be said in my obit. So I think it is part of my legacy. Did I imagine it? No. Did I definitely hug my son the day we launched Diversify? Yes. I tell him that daddy did something amazing. I I did. I did. But, you know, I so it's it's going to be part of my legacy. But the thing is, I hope about time I'm, you know, laid to rest or whatever it might be, that Diversify doesn't exist anymore. I think Andrea and I both have this idea that like at one point it's not going to be needed. And then that's the moment that we've done what we needed to do. And so that's the goal. I want to wake up in like 10 years from now and be able to like pull the plug and Diversify or let it just be there as like a relic of what was because we've reached that level of equality. We've, We've reached that level of equity. And I don't have to, you know, make a special website for photographers of color to get aware, to get awareness or to see or to build community or whatever it might be that it's just there. And people are getting the work that they deserve and people are getting the the magazine covers. And it's not this monolithic white block that just keeps constantly over and over again hiring the same folks that doesn't exist. I don't have to worry about that. I have to wake up endless nights and see tweet, tweets by SZA saying that all the works that you've done apparently is still not has not changed every mind and heart. You know, it's one of those things that like. I'm hoping that, you know, I'd be thankful that it is part of my legacy and that this is part of what I've been able to create. But also, I want to be you know, the 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 only thing. And I also want it to be like low down the bottom somewhere. It's like, oh, Brent Lewis did this. He would make photo photo. He did all this other stuff. And he always created Diversify, but you probably haven't heard about it in about 20 years because it hasn't been needed because we're in a much better place. Well, in some ways, too. Our legacy isn't up to us to decide, you know, exactly what it is. Sure. It's um, it's sure. what we leave behind. But yeah. it, I always like to think about it in terms of living a life where we are living, our actions are guided by our true north in terms mm. of mm. what is important to us. And I suppose if if you do that the majority of the time, that it's okay. And that doubt is normal and that's just oh yeah yeah but that was really that was beautiful for you to share because i think that especially someone in your position people would think ah he's got all the answers which you know we always forget that people are just people just i'm just a human being Mm -hmm. living life just like everyone else and that's funny it reminded me of this um we used to do these editor conferences before the new york portfolio review pre-COVID times, we had a moderator come in, Dr. Gay, and he asked his question, and we were like trading around like adjectives. And, was, and everyone got these adjectives. It's like super amazing, great, 
shared away from like ones like old or uh, tired or normal or usual. And like, I remember trading, I think I traded like Elizabeth Chris. So like she had normal at some point, she like drew the short straw and like I traded her for normal. Cause everyone got around, they would like start sharing with the guide. They came to me and it's like, bro, what'd you, what'd you get? And I was like, normal. It was like, why would you want to be normal? And I was like, cause I just want to live a normal life. Just like everybody else. Cause you know, we come up in an era where we have to be twice as good. And so I just want to be normal. I just want to be like a normal person on that level when it comes to like what the work that, you know, I'm doing is just, just, just normal. I'm be super normal. I'm, to do any, I'm not doing anything else that someone else couldn't do because it's normalized. And it's like, like Brent, oh, you hire so many black photographers. It's normal. It's a completely normal thing now. And that's the way that I was imagining like being at some point. I too have doubts. I don't know where this is going to wind up in five years. To double back on Adele's legacy, and also that you are not in charge of legacy, I don't think I want Diversify, the platform, to be part. I want the photographers, the now thousand photographers, to be part of that legacy. And I think those are the ones I want to tell that story about what they have accomplished because of maybe there was this mighty, this small website, but I really want the stories of my legacy to be kind of written through them. And it's like Brent helped Brent Andrea, or in this case, just me talking about my legacy. Just like Brent helped hundreds of photographers do amazing things and get the work that they deserved and get the work that led them to how having like amazing, elusive brilliant careers i think that right there and then also seeing that trickle down for years and years to come i think that's that's the legacy i want i think diversifies a part of that i think that is what gets into it but i think the legacy of the people's lives and careers that i've been able to affect in some way from creating this is where i want that that to land and to be and then just for that to become normal i just want those folks to you know be not seen as the black photographer not be seen as the the Latinx or the Asian photographer would just be seen as the normal photographer coming to do amazing work who just happens to be brilliant. So I hope that makes sense. That makes, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's also a really great place to end. Brent, thank you so much for joining us, joining me. I'm so pleased. I've been looking forward to this for a long time and I'm glad that we got a chance to chat. Yes, thank you. I'm thank you for having me. Um, you know, thanks for for throwing these these questions. I like I had to go back some soul search. And I think I walked through. I'm walking away with probably more than your readers, I'm more than your listeners. I'm just like, oh man, yeah, I still am that kid. Yeah, I'm still that kid in, in the in the Northern Illinois Husky sweatshirt that he got for free because he got a credit card. Running <laughs> 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 uh, back to that newsroom, I'm still that kid. Although my my back and my knees don't say that, but I am. Thank you for having me on that part. That's, you know, it's been great. Oh, thank you.